You are going to want to stay tuned for the next hour and about 30 minutes for my interview with licensed therapist, family counselor, Grant Wood. Uh, we talk about emotional health. We talk about we talk about religion. We talk about faith and spirituality and uh, so many great things. Ah, I'm so excited. All right. So listen, find yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, sit back and enjoy my interview with the one and the only Grant Wood. Grant Wood. Yay. There you are. I got you now. All right. Is this live? Uh, it's not live, but uh, I really don't have editing capabilities, so it's recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I got so, you. So, so you can, you can cuss, you can do whatever. That's no problem for the for the podcast. Okay. But, um, yeah. So, all right. Well, we're good. How how was your day today? Oh, you know, I just wrapped up today. It was good, long, good, fulfilling. Yeah. Frustrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> bewildering yeah you name it oh my gosh you can get all four seasons in one day here yeah but very grateful to be connecting with you yeah Yeah, well very cool why i appreciate you doing this interview it's it's actually my first uh podcast interview you know i do some youtube stuff but this is my first uh podcast normally it's me just rambling and kind of the subtitle of the podcast is escaping religion and finding faith and um, I think that, Excellent. yeah, I think that resonates with you, which that'll, that'll definitely be something I'm sure we'll, we'll breach just because uh, uh, you, you have a, a particular uh, journey of um, similar, a spiritual religious journey that, that I'm sure the, the folks that are going to be listening to this podcast will appreciate. Yes. Yes. It's all a journey. Isn't it, it is. It actually is. So, okay, I, I've got a, a, a couple questions to, so everyone listening can get to know who you are, and then we'll get into the questions that I sent you. So you're a licensed therapist, so how long have you been doing this? What made you get into this? Yeah, I'm coming up on 20 years. Um, actually started, started my uh, master's work in marriage and family therapy in, in 2000, and so... Um, you know, so almost 20 years wow. um, as a, a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. And um, I started out, I started out um, as a musician in college, as a music major, um, studying <laughs> saxophone. And I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to, you know, play jazz. And then I figured out that, wow, it's really hard to make a living doing that. And um, <laughs> you want to be the next Kenny G? So, so then... <laughs> Well, I wouldn't have said, I was snobby. I wouldn't have said Kenny G at the time. Oh, Kenny G, you know. Oh, yeah, right. Kenny G made a lot more money than I ever did playing saxophone. I don't, I don't, I don't discredit him, but, uh, you know, I just didn't have the chops. But, uh, but I love, I love, I've kept music in my life, you know, to this day. It's evolved. But, um, but that was where I started. And then when I went to, when I was in college, I was, uh, I was volunteering. I was teaching a Sunday school class of sixth graders there in my college town. And, um, and I loved that experience so much that that's where I really got the the bug to do. I wanted to do youth ministry. I, I said to myself, I can, 
be a band director and that has its own flair, but I really just wanted to have, make a difference in the lives of kids and yeah. inspire them and be there for them. And I just love the, the pureness that they had, their outlook on life. And so, um, so then I went to, I went to seminary after my, my, after getting my music degree, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, which at the time was to me, I, I thought that would be the best place for me to go to learn how to study the Bible and Right. know what I was doing and not hurt anybody. And, um, and that was a good experience. And then as uh, I was a youth minister uh, here in Kansas city until I was there as, as I got into youth ministry, um, I loved it, enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I started to find though, that I would put so much energy into creating events, you know, for kids that were fun, exciting, you know, relevant, you know, all those things that youth workers do. Sure. And I would hope to get a couple of really meaningful conversations with students. And I got frustrated with that. I, I wanted to simplify things. I started to see that kids were having stress from things going on in their families. And I wanted to know what the parents were experiencing. And I, I really got this bug to figure out families and how they tick. Yeah. And, and, and so from there, and my wife at the time was, she was a social worker and her stories coming home were so exciting to me about the things she was doing. Like, um, and I was kind of taking kids to McDonald's and going to football games and, and, and <laughs> that was, that was good too, but I just, I wanted to dig in deeper. And then, uh, but the, the church I was at at the time, they, they were growth focused and, um, didn't really put that same value on family-based work. So I left there and to make a long story short, uh, of course I didn't leave the way I would have imagined leaving. It was, it was way more intense than that, but I ended up leaving yeah. and uh, thank God. And, uh, and that's when I started my exploration of my, my master's in marriage and family therapy. So, um, and I'm so grateful to, to have walked that path. It was a curvy kind of a curvy path, but now, you know, looking back, I can kind of see how it fit together and, and yeah. uh, I didn't have to give up music. I just had to modify it. You can't just whip out the saxophone and play it anywhere. So I changed over to guitar and that's my therapy now. So uh, yeah, I recently picked up guitar and, and it's been Good. therapeutic for me and it uh, just acoustic and uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, I just sit and watch two, YouTube. It's easier than ever now to, 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 I mean, not to be good, but it's easier than ever to basics. You just pop on the YouTube and just yeah. follow along. Three chords and the truth. That's all you need. That's, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you what I've learned in this little guitar journey is that uh, country songs only have about three or four chords and they're pretty easy ones. <laughs> That's very true. And they're and they're all beautiful. They're, they're, the best songs are the simplest ones, you know. They really are. So. And, and as a matter of fact, there's been several songs that when I went online to learn it, I thought, wow, that song is so amazing. I would have thought that it would have been way more complicated. Yep. Yep. See, that's good. You, yeah. You're being inspired. You're, you're dipping your toe in and you're finding that it's not that it's not that hard. You're multi-talented. Yeah. I am, I, in addition to my music, I do several things to try to stay, you know, healthy, like, Music's a big part of my life. I just, you know, uh, uh, have my friends I engage that with. Um, and I love, I love uh, getting out. I have to get outdoors. So like kayaking, 
I'm kind of foraging into bird watching. I'm not nerded out yet with it, but I I'm I find myself interested in birds all of a sudden. <laughs> Man, it's too bad you mentioned that on the. <laughs> I know. Now everybody's gonna know. I know. And then, uh, and the third thing is really funny. Like I, you know, I'm named. Uh, my name is the same as a famous artist. You know, Grant Wood painted American Gothic, and uh, my sister is actually a really good artist. I've always sucked at art, but I want to. I've this. I know we're kind of off subject, but no, that's fine. I've I've been finding myself wanting to create art. So to have something that when you play music, you play it and it's kind of gone. But I, I wanted to make something with my hands. And I, I've yeah. tried like I'm kind of on my third. Day. I've tried to make these. I tried to make sculptures out of epoxy. That failed. <laughs> I that the it failed horribly. The gifts I gave my family at Christmas were just laughing stocks. <laughs> um, I've tried like melting glass. Um, and uh, making some kind of jewelry, but nothing I made was even you not you wouldn't be caught dead with it. Yeah. And uh, and, I'm, and uh, my next adventure, I'm gonna try to watercolor. See if I can if I can do any some watercolor. So I'm just uh, you know I'm a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. Art. <laughs> I think for the creative types, because I you know I love I share a love for music, um, but also uh, painting is something that. I've always I've always loved art. I mean, always have loved art. Always been creative. But man, I'll tell you what. Uh, yes, guitar is is therapeutic or music in general. But painting is wow. just. I mean, to tell you what, I started getting into oil paintings, of course, watercolor, and I do you know on the canvas, like the whole thing. I I've, I've really gotten into it. Oh man, and it's I might probably then. I yeah. Might have, I might have you teach me a little bit. I can't even make one of those turkeys, and you trace your hand, and you put a little bit on it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to send you some of the pictures of some of the stuff I've done. I've, I've even walked away and thought, you know, one, I'm real critical of it, but then again, I go, I can't believe I did that. Like that's yeah. actually not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's like amazing. not bad. Yeah. Whatever it takes for us to just keep our egos intact, right? Like the ego oh isn't gosh. bad. Our egos aren't bad. They just need a little right. bone thrown to them once in a while. You know. Yeah. We need to know that we're good at some things. Yeah. Yeah. I just well, finished reading the uh, Eckhart Tolle's book, uh, the new earth. And, um, you know, a lot of that book is about, about ego and man, that matter of fact, he said, uh, if you think you're enlightened, uh, go spend a week with your parents and see. <laughs> and when I read that line, I thought, Dan, Feel yourself becoming uh, a child again. Yeah, I'm like, oh shoot. Oh, so I'm right. I'm curious with um, all of the 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 craziness of our world right now. How has how have you seen any kind of impact on uh, people's emotional health there at your at your practice? I mean, are you guys staying busy? You're busier, or what's up? Yeah, you know, it was like a tsunami. Um, when the rumblings of COVID were, were coming, we actually, it's just like a tsunami at first, the tide recedes. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's a flood with initially everything kind of froze. Like nobody was doing anything. People were coming in for treatment, but we felt an ebb. And then as soon as basically March, that first wave of lockdown ended, the, just the collective anxiety started to just pour out and, 
you know, I, I believe that we're all kind of nine or 11% away from losing our shit anyway. Sure. You know, when, even when times are good and a pandemic hitting, like, yeah, we've seen just a huge influx of people dealing with, you know, dealing with the same problems we were before, but there's a, there's this embedded anxiety now in the culture and in the world that we're all coping with as humans. And, and it's definitely having an impact. It's definitely yeah. having an impact. Just even just thinking about how we're wired, you know, when you see someone with a mask, you know, that we're, we're geared towards finding emotion in the face before we even hear someone's words and right. the upper lip and the mouth and the chin, like that whole area is such an expressive part. And to have it be closed off, like there's just something in our, it's not about mask or anti-mask. It's oh, about sure. Something in our DNA says, you know, danger. Like yeah. something's, something's really wrong, you know, if this is happening and that's, that's so just even at a baseline level, we're feeling that Yeah. and families, you know, families who are either families are both simultaneously being forced apart away from each other and then together in certain situations. And so, um, marital roles have been forced into change, um, communication, um, you know, vocations, uh, it's just been a upheaval. And yeah. so my hope through all of it is that this is, you know, that this is kind of like childbirth pains to something that's going to emerge as, as healthier for all of us better. Even the, the racial tensions, we're just looking for a way to evolve and become better as people, but it's a real knot hole right now. Yeah. I'm definitely feeling it just in my own life and here it's a, it's a knot hole. And uh, yeah. has there been any kind of, uh, for those that might be listening that, you know, are experiencing some of that stress and anxiety uh, with with the current environment, not maybe their their personal issues or their family issues, but within the midst of this, you know, pandemic or the COVID-19 coronavirus landscape and the masks. Is there anything that you have said, like, here's a couple things to remember during this time to help better cope with everything? Yes, I'm um, for myself and. And for my clients, I find myself emphasizing, I mean, we're going down to the very basics and I'm trying to focus on helping people breathe and just breathing, breath yeah. work. Um, breathing is the, it's really when anxiety rises, our breath is really the first thing we can control and do that's, that tells our body that we're in control, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, uh, James Nestor's, book on breath that just came out recently has been so transformative for me and enlightening in terms of how we as humans have we've not evolved into healthy breathing habits and um just the smallest bit of attention to um being able to circulate breath can calm our nervous system it helps us to slow down racing thoughts it's just it's one of the best antidotes for anxiety that we have and the beauty of it is is um, it doesn't take a lot of time. You can learn to slow down your breathing or do attentive breathing in your car, on a walk, you know, before and before sleep, upon waking. Um, and it's just such an elemental way that our bodies help calm things down. So I'm really um, doing a lot of work just within myself to learn how to breathe better. Yeah. And um, doing a new training in August, actually all about uh, breath work and its connection to helping us heal from our traumas and that I'm really, really excited about. But breathing is something that's helping people. Um, 
you know, it, and it, I just love the simplicity of that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and of course, like, just like the value of being outside the, that initial wave of lockdown, saw so many people move into the outdoors and, um, getting sunlight and spending time in play with their families. And I think that was a really, I think that's just, I hope, I hope that's something that in our culture, I hope that people continue to be outdoors. Like just our vitamin D is so shot anyway. I mean, here in the Midwest, we're all, we're all vitamin D deficient. Deficient, And so to be, to get elemental anywhere, I've, I've heard a lot of clients talking about, um, they're building gardens and they're, if they're not gardeners, they're, they're working on landscaping, they're building something, they're getting their hands in the dirt. I think anything we can do that's elemental, yeah, you know, really basic, breathe the air, get around water, fire, or earth. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and like, and like root in, you know, in, in all this craziness. And, um, and I think uh, emotionally, I think vulnerability is just, it's always such a valuable currency is can we give words and express what we're feeling to the people that we feel safely connected to, you know, that's, right. those are the, um, those are just the very basic elements that I find myself talking to with, in my own life and, and with my clients right now. Yeah. Well, you had recommended that I uh, actually see a, a breath and, um, yeah. It was ex- it, it was life changing uh, for me personally, not just the experience of of doing the breath work, but um, now being able to have that as a tool when yeah. you know when when all this happened and you know and my business was uh, impacted directly. I remember the first thing I did was breathe. I was like, "Just breathe, Timmy. Just breathe." Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, it 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 uh, you know. It, it, it just that alone yeah it's matter of fact it's been something that i have told people when they are you know really stressing out i'm like you know just let's just take a minute here i want to show you something that i do and i start doing the breathing thing and and especially the double the double inhale through the nose and then yes. the exhale um just really made an impact and it's amazing how you can have an anxious feeling and just start breathing and focus on, put your intention on your breath. The next thing you know, you're, you're not right. In anxiety I spent anymore. so much time trying to start with feelings. Like, what am I feeling right now? And, and I found that um, I almost can't do it anymore without breathing. If I breathe first, you know, really then can I notice really what I'm feeling? Cause it, it's even more than emotion. I might feel angry, sad, overwhelmed, stressed, but if I breathe and really slow, and I can feel what my body feels also. I can feel where that emotion is in my body. It's in my legs. I can feel it in my trunk or tightness in my shoulders. Yeah. And I think for, and for men, especially men sometimes have trouble articulating their emotions, but if they can notice just what they're, they can start with what they feel in their body. That's kind of the first step. And so I, I think the breath work is a gateway to emotional, you know, uh, emotional intelligence that we've just not we've not really attended to, you know, I mean, a lot of people have, there's people that have understood the value of breath for centuries. And so speaking of myself, I I wish I would have known how valuable it was years ago, but uh, yeah, me too. The only problem was I I was told it was of the devil because it kind of was like (laughs) yoga. 
or Yoda. Uh, yeah, is it not Yoga? Yeah, Yoga. Is it yoga? Or Yoda, yeah, yeah. It, the the, the uh, yeah, either one. Star Wars. <laughs> but I, I remember. I mean, I was raised extremely fundamental, uh-huh. so anything, anything like that was hocus right. pocus. We called it the New Age movement, right? It was the, the dangerous, yes. the oh dangers of the New Age movement and and human uh, humanism. <laughs> humanism was just like pretty much like saying I'm I'm part of the Church of Satan now. You know, and it's just kind of funny yeah. when you really think about it. See, what's wrong with humans? Like, let's love humans. <laughs> let's be, let's be yeah. humanistic. You know. <laughs> well, you know, that's, it's <laughs> ironic, right? Because the the scriptures teach that you know that God put created us in His image. Right. It's like, I thought being a human, I like, was, yeah, I have been accused of being a humanistic. Being humanistic We're supposed to die to you know, self. Yeah. No, yeah, and like, okay, yeah. we really were taught badly about what that actually means, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? Actually, talk about that for a second because that's something you know. Part of my journey of, well, just my journey of life, which has been a very fascinating journey, and as I have gotten away from uh, religion, and even I have come out publicly and have denounced being an evangelical yeah. anymore and you know when i kind of came out of the closet and said i'm i'm you know i'm not certain i'm i'm a christian but i still align with some of that thoughts plus i love the message of jesus but you know my view of, of jesus and god in the bible heaven hell i mean i have a totally different view now and that's why i couldn't i could no longer say i was an evangelical because they believe certain things but anyway that phrase um yes the dying to self and the, the other teachings that just really, frankly, I've had to unwind yeah. and undo because they're toxic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was, you know, we begin. I think it's normative as we're young. We, when we begin in a spiritual journey, it's, it's just natural that our first steps are kind of in this question of what is a good person, you know? That's what that's what brings a lot of people in is what what is a good person and why am I here? And but in, in my journey in early Christianity, you know, the answer to what is a good person is it's a person who obeys and who does right things and who does not do wrong things. And so my the first years of my faith formation were all about discerning right and wrong and then committing to do right, because that shows that I am loving God. I'm loving God, yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I even had a, you know, um, you know, they, they even had a kind of Christian t-shirt, you know, I was very zealous uh, as I was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade back in the eighties. And, you know, I had a t-shirt that said, you know, he died for me, I'll live for him. Right. Remember that phrase? <laughs> I, I think I had that shirt. <laughs> and it was, so we wore the same shirt, you know, and um, you know, it's so, and I'm not, and I'm, there's i'm so i'm I'm to the point now where like timmy probably like you i'm I'm able to be grateful for every part of my journey even the days where i was pretty blind and um you know i see it as the road that i had to walk but uh it was it was very much about you know a gospel of sin management it was my job to not only be holy and not disappoint god but it was also my job to figure out who was going to heaven and who's going to hell and um, yep. and make sure that I didn't have any blood on my hands because of that. And so it created this dying to self radical obedience, right? 
and mm-hmm. and the problem <laughs> the big problem with that is what it negates is the fact that we're really loved by god <laughs> absolutely you know, it's, it's the um it's a debtor's ethic right to think that yeah that it's my job now to pay god back for that eternal atonement you know that god gave and so um dangerous theology that i you know would not have known and and um and as i've gotten older to to put it in a nutshell like just lots of events in my life it took a long time i mean i carried yeah i carried a lot of that um thinking and believing into even college even into into early seminary and it really was not until i started working face to face with human beings who whose pride was shattered gone they were way out beyond ideas that they could be righteous they were broken and yeah. when i started to see myself in that i started to see that that um it's really a story of god saying grant like this love is way bigger than what you think it is and i just found there were parts of my theology that i it wasn't about embracing deep theological study and discerning that this is the way it was more like walking into a different room and realizing I couldn't go back to the old one I came from. I felt like God was bringing me to these places of love and depth and seeing humanity, you know, and just how even different religions, right. And just how the beauty in all of it. And I just kept being dazzled by God this way. And I would pray along the way. I'm like, God, I don't want to, I don't want to dishonor you with like bad thinking about the spiritual life and, and some of the stuff I yeah. embrace now, I would, I would have called myself a heretic long ago. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I've just always felt like almost like God's hand on my shoulder, just saying, just keep walking. It gets better, you know, and it's, yeah. um, it's not a, <clears throat> I still struggle in the spiritual life. I still struggle with, I struggle with my own dark thoughts. I struggle with, you know, how to grow. I get stuck at times, but every, what pulls me out now is not trying to do better. It's, it's remembering that I'm loved and it's, you know, it used to be climb to the top of the mountain. And now it's like, I just, I get to kind of sink to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. It's not a lazy spirituality. You know, I, that was my, again, something I would have said to myself long ago, that that's lazy entitled yeah. spirituality. Um, it's just the peace that comes from knowing that, that we're loved and that, um, that's real. And it's just, I've seen that. I see that heals people. I see the other old stuff. It actually judgments that destroy people. The old, those old yeah. systems of faith are deadly. Um, Anthony DeMello was, a, was a teacher that I, um, you know, just found, um, I think a friend had told me about him and you know, he's dead now, but his teachings, you know, when he began to talk about, um, just the, the, um, the things that we're striving for that really put us to sleep, that really don't matter. Um, just this, this way of love, it just, it was, it was such a relief, you know, uh, to my soul. And so, so definitely I'm, I'm going to be on this journey my whole life. Um, but it's, and, and I've, there's been no greater teacher for me than being a therapist. And I don't, I don't so much give therapy as I, I'm, I learn every day. I learn from my clients and, um, and it's, I consider it such an honor just to be able to be in their presence even. Yeah. And it's been humbling. And, um, 
I think all of us therapists, we have some ego, definitely. It took me, it took me many years for myself to value therapy and its benefits and to, to sure. break into that for myself. But, um, you know, it's, it's just an awesome thing to sit back and, and think about. I'm, I'm just so grateful that, man, I can't, I, you know, there's no way I, I would be locked up if I would have kept that same, those same beliefs about striving and everything that was up to me to do. It's just now it, it kills my soul, you know? Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, I, I think back to uh, what Jesus said, is, you know, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And, and that's anything but my experience having been in the uh, religious world and, and even being a, a, an evangelical pastor for 30 years. I started yeah. teaching in 1990. I took my first youth pastor job. You're like 18. Yeah. Yeah. So I started way. Yeah, I started. I'm 51 now. So, yeah, I started a long time ago. And I, like you, share in the the experience of feeling initially like, oh, my gosh, am I a heretic? Am I being led astray by the devil? You know, am I, you know, all the things, you know, all the things, all those little. Yes, very. In, you know, am I am I endangering the my soul? And and it it was pretty quick on that all of that stuff faded away, and I felt more peace, more love, and frankly more connected to God or what I thought was God or whatever. Like I just felt so so okay. Yeah. Um, whereas before it was much like what you said is I, it was a, it was a struggle. It was a fight. It was like, I was crucifying my flesh. I mean, it was just this constant, you know, choking out the evil in me, I thought. Yeah. And then, you know, when I learned that all of, you know, every part of me is me and that I should love every part of me it was it was like oh wait so i shouldn't be trying to choke that out yeah. <laughs> you know it's like and and i remember in a, in a in a session in my breath work um you know she was asking me what i feel and i said well, i feel like you know that there's a part of me that's wanting to get out of the cage and i'm i'm you know i just want to stab him and put him back in the cage and and she was just so appalled by that <laughs> and and said, no, 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 no. Get rid of the cage. Let him out of the cage. Let's talk to him. Let's be like the elder brother and let's love him. And let, and yeah, of course, let go. Let oh, and I mean, I, I mean, I never, I didn't know I had that many tears in me, oh. um, but that, but that it was really a lot of, you know, my th- therapy that I've gone through has really been a journey of, of freedom and love and, you know, that word enlightenment always gets you in trouble by, by the religious people. But, you know, there's just, I, I feel it's like, it's like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, the village. Oh yeah. Okay. So I think it, I lived that. I lived that. <laughs> well, it's almost like that. It's almost like, like, you know, like the Truman show. It's like yeah. all of a sudden I broke out of the, of what I thought I was or you know what all the truth that was supposedly the truth and then you get out and you go well that's not true at all right <laughs> like that's actually not you know, correct once i judge something i stop understanding it yep that's the 
felt so good though to make those judgments to be right oh, and yes. and then to know that to feel the progressive confinement of i have worked myself i live in a tiny world now you know with my right judgments and i i'm lonely and scared and i feel like a piece of shit yep. well that's, <laughs> that's the thing that's the, that's the landscape now right yeah and in so many ways is is whether it's what what this crisis brings up is whether it's political, financial, religious judgments. You know, we um, in our in our anxiety, we're rushing to judgment, and our our core, like our true selves, are trying to find safety. Like none right. of us are bad. We're trying to find safety. We're trying to make decisions and identify what's safe and what isn't. But the problem often is once we do that. We go overboard. Now I can't. Now I've, I've. We're becoming less and less capable of real, safe dialogue with each other. We can't hold other people's reality, because these judgments are becoming so prevalent. And well, it's, it's not. Yeah, we can't hold their reality because it's not our reality. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's that. Well, no, if you don't validate my beliefs by having the same beliefs, right. then. That makes me unsettled, and it and it shows. Right, you're not only wrong; you're dangerous to me. Yes. which is it's gone to that level. You know, yeah. debate, debate, or argument is is two people who can disagree, but I still feel like you have my back. We're in this together in a way. This is like healthy discourse or debate, but differences now. What anxiety has done to us it is it's turned our differences into danger, yeah. and we're tribing up and we're all right and it's devastating I, I believe there's there are still healthy streams that are flowing in society i haven't given up hope on the world but sure but um everything we see this is the meat you know the, what the media i think highlights is yep. all of the destructive silos that we're in it's not doing enough to show what what kind of healing is coming from a lot of this so it's yeah. tragic it's just it, tragic it really is. You know, I've noticed that, too. It's it's like things have become so polarizing where even even within myself, I, I would consider myself and you for sure a very kind of down the middle of the road, meaning that I could I could talk to an atheist or I could talk to a, a Christian. I could talk. It's like I could talk to a Democrat or a Republican and I could get along with both of them and have yeah. no problem and, and even kind of see both perspectives. But, man. That's hard to do now. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like people are drawing lines in the sand and, and you know, saying things like, uh, if, if you vote for so-and-so, you're a racist. And it's like, <laughs> that. Uh, and I told one person this, I said, that'd be like me voting for Ellen DeGeneres for president, and that makes me gay. Right. It's like, it. Right. No, I just think she'd make for a good president. I don't care that what. what? <laughs> right, and we all think we all think I I think that I'm being so, um, you know, flexible and accepting, and and then but then when someone puts their finger in my chest, I do the same thing. I'll devolve into protecting my turf at all costs. Like I felt like I had yes. such this open yes. mind. And then when when someone launches a judgment at me, I can feel the same just primal thing in me rising up to piss on my property, and I can I can very quickly pick up that old judgmental self, and he's not fun to deal with. And I, I just 
sobering, yeah. right? I, I, it is. I've had a record amount of started typing out a response to a Facebook post yeah. <laughs> and then backspace, backspace, delete, 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 discard, discard, throw that away, Timmy. Don't post. I, I'm so sad because <laughs> I did it. I did that. I saw a friend put a post up and I, I'm very elusive on social media. If I post anything, it's basically a, a picture of the sunrise or something from my kayak. But I really try to stay out. But like, I let that. I let what they posted, and it was a judgment. It was their judgment. Of, well, somebody's doing this horrible thing, and I wasn't even Trump. It was someone else. And I just, right. I started to boil, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something, because that person. <laughs> this is the irony of it. I'm gonna say something because that person's so wrong in what they're saying right now. And I and I put a post on there. I tried to make it sound, you know, with I, it was ended up it ended up coming out like really like dark humor, angry person. It just came out bad. And, I, and as soon as I sent it, I was like, gosh dang it! Like now I'm gonna have to deal with this. And so, it, and it didn't, you know, it didn't it didn't ruin any relationships. But it was like energy wasted, you know, for yeah. me and. Yeah. Uh, and the, so the very thing I was accusing that person of wasting their energy, criticizing this person. <laughs> and then I went and did the same thing with them. And I'm just like, man, this, this humanness is something else, isn't it? It, it, it is amazing how the, how the ego can, can get in the way of, of living fully and, and emotionally healthy. I, I've had, when, when I read this book, and ego was so on the mind, I literally had an encounter that very next day. And when it happened, I responded, I defended, and then I realized because it was so fresh on my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, it was my ego. <laughs> my ego got threatened yeah. by that. Why would I care what anyone else thinks? If I'm okay with me, then it's okay. Right. I don't need anybody else to be okay right. with me. And man, I'm telling you, Grant, that. That has been a work in progress. I'm not there, but at least I'm aware. Yes. Like I, I, I was able to realize, and I even called this person back and I said, hey, listen, I defended what, myself when you said this. I said it was because it challenged my, it, it upset my ego. And, and I just want you to know, you know, that I, I recognize what I did there. Yes. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm working on that, you know. I'm you know, it takes work. People that can there's a certain kind of wisdom that involves essentially it's what you did. It's, it's being able to zoom outside of myself and kind of look at me from another angle. And that's, that's where you, you could see, ah, like there's my ego picking up that ball. Like you've yeah. done a lot of hard work, you know, to be able to do that. There, there are just, you know, depending on where we're at in our life cycle, there's, you know, we're not always capable of doing that. And, and um, I feel like I feel like it sometimes happens for me and sometimes doesn't. But I learn I learn the best things when I'm able to get into that headspace where I can kind of see myself going through life and how what my judgments are and what my actions are, what what insecurities am I working with? Like kind of like seeing the dashboard lights come on in the car, right? Like, ah, I see that yeah. I'm irritable. Why am I why am I chewing out this person who just kind of veered into me a little bit? Why? Why? Why, why am I crying myself to sleep? Like, 
(laughs) Why am I curled up in the fetal position sucking my thumb? (laughs) So this is where self-compassion, like you didn't beat yourself up for going to ego. Like the hope is once we're going to see our shadow, our ego, our insecurities. And even there, the goal is, is love. The goal is compassion for that part of me. I don't want to destroy my ego. I want to love my ego. I just, I just don't want it to drive my car, you know, or it's going to pull up on the curb and run over somebody. So, so self-compassion. I think that was the second step for me. First, it was, first it was realizing that, that God is love. But then I went through this period where I was like, God is love and I'm still a piece of shit and I better be more loving. So I still had, I still had like a pressure filled (laughs) desire, but instead of judging people now, I'm, 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 I'm really hurt, really not loving me. And then it took a lot more work to go, okay, like let this in, like lighten up, like, you know, uh, I went to this very, this very, um, immersive uh, men's retreat and at the end of the retreat to say the least it was a powerful retreat and the the elder men at this retreat when we were leaving they they put their hand put their hand on my chest and and the man that I was paired up with he put his hand on my chest and and he called out my name and he said he said I honor your gold and I honor your shadow and wow. I just kind of melted in that moment like I kind of it was the first time I really felt like I can honor my shadows I can I can embrace that as a part of me that's you know our shadows come from suffering and and if we deny that and don't love that part we get into real trouble you know uh, the old legend of the white wolf and the dark wolf inside and which one you feed wins you know, it's not to imply that you kill, you don't kill the dark wolf. No. You better honor that, you know, you know or, yeah. or you're in for, you know, it's just a, it's still enlightenment. It's just not healthy. And so right. it, um, yeah, you know, I wish looking back, yeah, of course, it could, I, I could always say, I wish I would have learned some of these things sooner. I'll, I'll be learning these things the rest of my life. But at this point at 49, I'm, I'm grateful for whatever, I've been able to, to suffer through and learn. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be honest, you know, with myself at a new level. Um, yeah. And that only helps the, the people that I'm working with, you know, I get called out every day. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of people that are being real and authentic and they're pared down and they have nowhere to hide and they're, they're sitting in the most real they've ever been. And it challenges me every day. And yeah. um, I just respect them. They're, they're incredible teachers. Like I said before, we're all trying to be healthy and it's, yeah, and, and that's the, I think that's, you know, that's the, the goal. And I think what you just said a minute ago is, is such a helpful um, tool is just being compassionate to yourself, being kind to yourself. And, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, how do you, how can you be great or how can you have eternal life? And it was said that, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind and your soul and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And I think sometimes yeah. we forget and, and, and within the religious world, we live this quote unquote sacrificial life, you know, 
Jesus came to serve, not be served. And so you, right. know, you, 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 you learn this way of being where, you know, you just, you're always turning the other cheek and you're just, you're, you're giving, you know, someone asks for your coat and you give them your pants too. And, right. and it, it just becomes this, this, I don't know what, where you're just giving yourself away and, and you literally have given yourself away. Yeah. It's like a poverty of self. You know, yeah, literally that verse, love your neighbor as you as yourself, we we interpret it as pride. Like, right. like it, I would hear that verse as saying, I, I love me more than I love my neighbor. Stop doing that. It's not saying that. It's saying right, no. love, love is for you and it's and it flows to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's that overflow. We're all trying to get there. These are and these are definitely challenging times to to stay afloat and to, and to keep that in sight, you know, when there's this much anxiety flying around. Sure. But what would you say? Right. When you say, or when we talk about, when people say, you know, I'm on a a journey of self discovery or, you know, I just got a new tattoo on my neck that says know thyself. So what, what would, what would you say are some important, steps if if someone's like i want to be about you know self-development or personal growth or becoming more emotionally mature or or you know dealing with and this is kind of a big question but, you know dealing with my wounds from childhood or like yeah what what are the steps to begin that journey uh, like intentional things that people can do to to really start um becoming the very best version of themselves. Okay. You know? I know some people aren't interested in that, but I think the people that listen to this podcast are. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just share some of the, I guess some of the um, anchor points that I keep coming back to in my work with people. Cause that I mean that's as broad as there's you know different philosophies and there's, there's, you know, a myriad different, even with in theory in mental health, there's, there's so many theoretical models of what does it mean to be, you know, a healthy person. But I do think, I think that they all, I think that they all kind of like in religion, spirituality, I think in mental health, all these different disciplines kind of end up pointing to some of the same streams. Yeah. And so, so a few of those things that, that I would, that I would put out there would be like, these are things like if people worked with me and, and I would at least want them to get some of these tenets down. Um, one would be that um, myself, my true self, my core, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I think. I'm not what I feel. And I'm not the shit that's happened to me. Right. So it's this, it kind of begins with this center, this question, this critical, who am I? question and that does that assumes that we have a a true self that if you if you boil down a human um you know melt it all down you end up with this golden core of a soul or a spirit that has certain qualities that that are inherent to them and so knowing that i am and it's it's going to be adjectives you know this this uh, you know comes from some good work we did in Focus. You know, when yeah. we came here, Kansas City Focus of being able to to boil down based on how I see myself. I'm a I'm a strong, wise, compassionate man. Like we have to do work where we can see ourselves in that light. Yes. You know? 
And if I know that, if I know who I am in that way, if I can claim it, I don't have to. F- don't feelings. I, I'm the person who's feeling feelings and I'm the person I'm the soul who is thinking thoughts, yes. but I'm not the thoughts and the feelings. So that's de-identifying from thoughts. Feelings is very critical. I think if, if we're not able to do that, and, and again, our whole life is, uh, I don't mean to talk about any of these things. Like there's a cruise control that once we, once we embrace a certain truth or a concept that we can live it, it's, it's sure. a life's work to remember this stuff, right. And to cultivate it every day. But if I'm, if indefinitely I'm not what's happened to me, trauma, um, trauma is the emotion that's in our bodies from what's happened to us in the past, our body remembering everything that's ever happened to it and protecting us from it. And as we get older, that trauma leaks up, it leaches up through our bodies and into our minds. And that's why midlife crisis happens. There's pain that we hold and we really need to know that I'm not what happened to me. Yeah got to be able to, to heal we have to separate and see ourselves as out and beyond that and as we as we feel the emotion of it and release that emotion so getting to a sense of true self that we can work with and even when we don't feel that way we can claim it so what i'll kind of do is when i need to rally to myself i'll say you know what i feel helpless i feel lost powerless but but i am i'm i'm a, I'm a wise compassionate powerful joyful man and what i'm i'm gonna do i'm gonna do what that guy does today to the best of my ability so you know if what i do can flow from just that core sense of who i am i think that's just a key you know that's a just a key concept in human health is true this this knowing my true self and being able to claim it um some other some other tenets um would be like the idea of of differentiation. It's a big word. Um, and I think of it in terms of a guy named Murray Bowen, who was, he was like the founding father of marriage and family therapy, who talked about differentiation and, and his, his ultimate picture of, of emotional, mental, relational health was that we can be that self that we are and know ourself, just like what your tattoo says, yep. know, know thyself. And, and in addition to knowing me and having a healthy understanding of me, I can also relate to others. Yeah, I can. I can be. A, I can be a self with other selves and not lose myself. And uh. so that's that differentiation. You you see a lot of people who are struggling with mental health. They're either on one end of that or the other. Either they're too, they're overly connected, you know, to self and to ego, and to that whole furball. And it, it causes them to withdraw, pull away, become insecure, and, and feel like they can't connect with others, right. or they push others away. Or you see the uh, you see the opposite, where someone's very comfortable in a codependent, clingy, needy way, drafting off of other people's energy to feel alive. But when they try to go to sleep at night by themselves, they're having panic attacks because they don't have any connection to who they are or their value. Right. So a, a healthy person is someone who who is able to be a self and is also able to be with others fully. And um, which amazingly, that's kind of like the Trinity or teaching about the Trinity, you know, three in one. It's, I think that it's a, it's an absolute must for anyone who wants to stay married is that um, you have to be able to be a healthy self 
and have that overflow and, and make room for your spouse. You have to be able to do both. Yeah. And mar- marriages inevitably go through seasons where they can and can't do that. Marriages have to evolve three or four times. Yeah. You know, to survive. But that I think that's a key concept. So so differentiation. Um and I think um another another just core I think um pattern that I see in healthy people um, is you could boil it down to two words, availability and vulnerability. And this kind of mirrors differentiation, but it's, can I be there for you and give you like my life, my energy, my time, my love. And then can I also tell you what's in me? Can I, can I be vulnerable about my emotion, what I need? Can I be assertive about myself? You have to have both of those things to be in healthy relationship. And again, we can default on either side. I might be vulnerable, you know, uh, but not have room to listen to anyone else, which kind of makes me narcissistic, you know, or I could be, um, I could be very available and be there for everyone and do no self care whatsoever and put my own, you know, put my own needs in the basement. So availability and vulnerability, that's actually a rule of life in, um, the uh, the North Umbria community in the UK is a spiritual community where their rule of life is availability and vulnerability, and that's their when they wake up and eat together and live together. That's what they're trying to accomplish. Um, it kind of goes back to Celtic Christianity, which is pretty pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I think we have to be able to um, take some mastery over our bodies and our thoughts and our feelings. We have to be able to let them be teachers but not masters, you know? Right, right. That takes practice. Um, we have to be able to self-see. We have to be able to have some things that we do that can calm down that core, you know, when it gets upset. Th- those are kind of the big ones. And I think that kind of comes through, that's kind of learned through mindfulness, you know, work. Right. Um, those are the big, those are the big themes. Like, um, you could add to that boundaries, I suppose. Like when a person is healthy yeah. and when I'm differentiated, I can set boundaries that um, don't isolate me and don't hurt other people. But that's all based in me knowing that I'm worthy and I'm valuable. Yeah. So I, I can protect myself from what I need to, but I'm available. I don't circle the wagon so tight that nothing gets in and nothing gets out, you know? Right. And so boundaries, being differentiated, availability, vulnerability, um, watching our judgments. Again, that just that closed mind of a judgment leads to, you know, the end of understanding most of the time. And it seems, yes, and it also seems that that judgment, because I used to be very judgmental. Well, I mean, I still, I'm still working on it, but I mean, I realized and came to the understanding, and I'm curious if this is correct, that usually my judgment is a reflection of my own shame and guilt. Yes. Most of the time, I think yeah. that's the case or fear something I'm terrified of or something I've definitely not looked at in my own self. Yeah. This is just brutal. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 I remember someone saying, um, we were talking about this topic and they, and, and they were saying, yeah. So it's like when you are judging someone for, uh, having a tattoo on their face, what that what that really is. It's one thing to observe it. You know, I observe that person has a tattoo on their face, 
but then it's a whole nother issue to, to judge them, but which is this person said, well, that's actually a reflection in what area of your life do you not feel free to put a tattoo on your face? Absolutely. And I thought, whoa, that was profound because then I realized all my judgments <laughs> were all based upon that premise of I, you know, someone's judging me. Well, then I'm so mad that they're judging me that I'm judging them for judging me. And then I'm, you know, so then I'm becoming aware like, oh, wow, like that's in me. <laughs> it's a big judgment hole. It's a big judgment yeah. hole, you know, and it's all fear. Fear is the opposite of love. And our right. fears will lead us into, you know, a lack of compassion, um, the presence of judgments, and uh, it, it closes us off. It isol- the worst thing a human being can experience is isolation. And that's what, that's what fear and shame want to do. That's their agenda for us is to isolate us and basically paralyze us. And so yeah. there's a lot of paralyzed people. Um, at times, I'm one of them. Um, I really, really, really love, uh, I'm an enthusiast about the Enneagram, and I've used that to, to try to learn about the different ways that I go to sleep to myself and what I need to do to be a healthy, connected person versus a disappearing vapor of a person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nine, you know, so... Um, so that, that's a tool I love. I love, there's certain tools I've fallen in love with is that have worked for me and that, and that work in my practice. So there's those, those mental health principles, but the tools I love, you know, uh, the Enneagram, uh, I use Susan Johnson's, you know, emotion focused therapy. Um, uh, yeah. Hold know, me tight. Hold me tight. Love sense. Yes. And then, um, and then so now valuing, you know, the impact of trauma and understanding that. Um, so Vander Kolk's, you know, the body keeps the score and uh, it's just such a good way of understanding. It's really brilliant once we understand how our body has protected us from trauma. But mm-hmm. um, if we don't understand the trauma we all hold, it can really, it's going to come bite us at some point. And so um, not now in my practice, I'm pursuing, I'm moving out of, uh, you know, used to do primarily like lots and lots of couples work together, and through that, I, I'm evolving into more work with, with trauma, with um, individual development, you know, pain, and I mean, I'm excited about that. Any any awesome. it's, it's one of those tools I think I couldn't, I couldn't uh, do without. I don't, I don't, I'm not like some. I don't believe that we are a number. I think we all transcend the enneagram. I do see it as a tool. I don't see it necessarily as a as a all, divine all. reality, but it, I, I like it because it's, it has such mysterious roots, anything mysterious I'm going to be attracted to. And, yeah. um, but it's so deadly accurate as well. Um, but uh, I think another good resource for people in these times, if I'm just, if it's all right, if I'm just throwing out some yeah. resources yes, and thinking about the anxiety that, that we're all in, um, Daniel Amen, uh, he has a, he, uh, if you look up AMP therapy, A-N-T, AMP stands for automatic negative thoughts. Once we realize that there's about nine or 10 different ways that anxiety gets into our thoughts, it's things like, you know, there's black and white thinking, all or nothing, uh, catastrophic thinking, you know, predicting the worst, uh, guilt beatings, 
um, uh, mind reading, where we really, our mind really tells us that we know what that person's thinking about us. That, that ant therapy tool is so helpful in understanding that those aren't me. <laughs> those are, those are thoughts that are trying to, trying to get me to jump on board and ride. And if we can identify those, it, it really helps people calm down. It, it's really exciting to see people start to breathe deeper once they realize that I can get out of this thought stream and start to start to see that, you know, it, it's just, it's just that that's all it is. It, it's, right. it's hard. We used to, we used to try to teach thought stopping. And it's not that I don't think that doesn't work. I think it's very difficult to stop thinking. It's, um, I, I'm working with a lot of people to help them, you know, see how they're thinking and where it's coming from and then direct the traffic, you know, in a way that's, yeah. that's healthier. And so, um, so ant therapy, um, some other books again, that I think are just, that are, they're kind of pivotal right now. Uh, breath. Uh, I think I said before, James Nestor, uh, N E S T O R. Um, I talked about the body keeps the score bringing home the Dharma by corn, anything by Jack Cornfield, um, okay. K O R N like the band cornfield. Um, he's a Buddhist master teacher and his books are very, so applicable to everyday life. Um, I just find them to be a good, a really good antidote to anxiety. Um, the war of art by Pressfield. I love like teaching us Ooh, how to yeah. deal with resistance as we're, as we're growing as people, we we're always going to encounter resistance. And, um, in terms of masculine feminine, I really like David data's books. Um, you know, the, uh, the way of the superior man and, and dear lover for women, um, you know, Data's books are potent, you know, reading his books are like a punch in the face um, <laughs> in are. a lot of ways because he doesn't, you know, he challenges just it's it's kind of refreshing. Um, and, I, and some people that read his books, it's kind of love hate. But I really think that he has some really good clarifying work around masculine, feminine. I, if I mean, you probably talk about this book all the time, but Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Scazzaro. Oh, yeah. Um, so good for anyone who's had spiritual wounds or, or wounds, you know, from the church or from religion. Um, and then uh, mindfulness by Mark Williams. Uh, it's, it's finding peace in a frantic world. It's kind of an eight week self-directed course in mindfulness work. Um, you know, mindfulness is just, there's these tricks we can do these very quick, helpful ways that we can de-escalate our mind and our body sink into our core self and and kind of take on the day um you know and every person just needs to find kind of their menu of things that yeah. help them center and that's a great if no one's if anyone's ever gotten lost in the mindfulness world that book's a great place to start yeah we make we make most things too complicated you know and so I appreciate any kind of work that's just very elemental and core and basic. Yeah. But, um, Have you, did you ever read uh, The Untethered Soul? No. My wife's reading that right now. Yeah, so, The Untethered Soul. I saw that. I've really... seen that one on the counter, and I've, I've wanted to peek into that. that yeah. um, that's one that you found to be really good? Yeah, it was, it was yes it was extremely helpful especially with the whole mindfulness but also recognizing like you said i'm i am not fear i'm not anxiety but i am oh i am the person or i am aware of those feelings of anxiety yeah you know i'm the i'm the i'm aware of the person thinking you know whatever so that that became very real to me 
and and really helped me to um, well uh, overcome any kind of anxiety or uh, like panic or any of that stuff uh, was, yeah. was simply the, the practices of, of mindfulness and all the stuff that you mentioned to where I like, okay, I'm experiencing anxiety, you know, what, what for, and why, you know, you just start going into it. Next thing you know, you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's like how these, everything we feel makes sense, you know, it just does. And, yeah. and if we can, if we cannot be paralyzed by it, sometimes we do, we have to just will ourselves into personal work and just start, you know, if a person's out there and they're overwhelmed, stuck, paralyzed, it's, it is very overwhelming. Don't think about trying to get better. Just think about taking one step, call somebody, Absolutely. call a friend, start to read a book, start to even just write in a journal, like just take a, just take an initial step. And that'll, that's, that foothold is what you need to start moving. And before you know it, you can really be feeling like yourself again. Yeah, and, uh, I, I've always equated mental health and growth in that way is much like physical growth. You know, it starts with getting up and going on a walk or going to the gym. I mean, it's one one day at a time. It's not I'm going to go in the gym. I'm going to work every single muscle to the full extent in this one workout. No, it's just just show up, do a little bit. And then in a year, you'll definitely see some results. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like I'm going to lose 30 pounds. No. I'm going to just choose today to not have a McDouble for lunch. You know? that, absolutely. That's, That's it. That it's, it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not the, it's not the mile. It's the, yes. every step in that mile. We're, we're playing the short game here. We got, yeah. we got to play the short game. You know? Yeah. Did you ever read the power of now? No, no, I never, that had. was probably the, that was the most helpful book I've ever read in overcoming anxiety i mean this is the power of now because i mean you know this i'm preaching to the choir but i mean to 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 have anxiety or fear it's all based upon you're projecting into the future you're not living in the present you're leaving the present going into the future saying oh they're doing layoffs i'm afraid of being laid off and then you know whether you do or you don't get laid off it's the fear of being laid off is worse than being laid off yeah Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about too, bringing like, it into the now. Don't you think too, like as much as anxiety comes from, you know, pre-fearing things that haven't happened, like shame, I think is, is when we go to the past, you know, yes. Um, and, and are sitting with that stuff. That's um, a brutal combo. Yeah. Cause the fear is completely gone. It doesn't even exist anymore except in your own thoughts. Yeah. So, and the future is, you know, uncertain and it's like, you can't, who, I mean, who could predict the future? If we could, if anybody could, you know, they'd, they'd be wealthy, um, right. but you can't. So all we really are in control of is the present. Yes. Yep. And yeah. shame, shame just wants to identify us with what we've done. It wants to say yeah. that we are the, we are the wrong that we've done and that, that, that that's our core. And that's, they're almost like people, you know, they're yeah. almost like, you know, anxiety almost moves like a person. Anxiety is like a yep. family member sometimes, you know, just moving yes. around, landed on different people. And I think shame is the same way. And, and so, um, yeah. 
you know, back in my way, way back Christian days, we would have said there's a, there's a, there's a spirit of shame or there's a spirit of yeah. <laughs> fear, right? That we need to get out, you know, take authority, yeah. take authority over it. It was, it was pointed in the right direction, at least a little yeah. over, over personified, but hey, yeah, whatever it takes, you know, we're all on the That's path. right. We're all on the path, man. Absolutely. Well, man, I, I could talk to you forever and we'll have to do this again, but, but I can't let you go without asking you my, my one question that I ask all those that I, that I interview is, so what do you think about aliens oh. and the government now releasing the UFO stuff? Like, what do you think? Do you think I'm, that there are aliens out there? I'm so excited you asked me that question. Like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just happy right now just being able to talk about this for the first time in public. Good. Um, you know, I, I, I am a believer. I, I, uh, Bigfoot, aliens, the Loch Ness monster, bring them all. I want them all. Yes. I want them all to be, I want them to be real the way I would say it. And I do think, <laughs> I do, here's where I'm at. I'm like, um, I think we're ready. I think after dealing, my hope is this after dealing with pandemic, the darkest parts of human nature unleashed in our societies. I mean, aliens, when the government finally acknowledges that we have, you know, we have objects from another world that we, that we know, like the aliens are here. I feel like we can totally handle that shit now. Yes. (laughs) It's like, have you seen all the memes? Have you seen all the alien (laughs) memes? There's a meme that I got the other day and it says, uh, there's this group of aliens and they're all grouped up ready to, to like, you see like they're ready to go. And um, one of the other was like leaning over going, should we go now? Should we go now to, to, to let everybody know that, you know, that we're really here, we're alive. <laughs> and they were like, and it, it said, but we can't go because we don't have masks. <laughs> That's perfect. That's so good. We got to wait till we don't have to wear masks, masks for everyone. No, I, 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 I just have had too many people. I have some people I deeply respect in my own family. These are my South Dakota relatives. They're farmers. They are no bullshit. They don't have any time to, you know, frit around with stuff. And when they, when one of them, and I, I had to go to her because there was a legend in my family that she had seen a, a UFO. And they were in town a couple of years ago. And I hardly ever see these relatives, but. When I knew that this particular, she's like a great aunt or something that was in town. And um, when I knew she was going to be there, I took the courage. I'm going to ask her if it's real, if what, and I'm going to ask her what she saw. And she told me, you know, I mean, I'm a therapist. I, by and large, unless someone's really good, I know I can tell a bullshitter when I see one. What she described just was so visceral and real. Basically a craft that followed her. Uh, hovered over her car, driving down, driving to the farmhouse, stayed hovering as she went inside. And she, this person who's a, this is a peace loving, calm, tough, you know, very, very differentiated person. <laughs> you know, yeah. when, when she got to the point where she ran outside with a shotgun to try to shoot it away. And she told me about that. I mean, her, you could see it in her eyes. She was remembering it. And, um, you know, to her is very, very real, something that she saw and right. um, sober. This is a very sober person also. So there's legends and stories. Um, I just love the mysterious. I, I used to watch In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, 
you know, when I was a kid. And that show was scary. There was two shows. There was that, and there was a show. There was the original um, Project Blue Book um, that was on, and I would watch those shows and get scared to death and, and uh, <laughs> fascinated. You know, Leonard Nimoy's creepy voice, you know, and watching watching the tenth episode of them showing the, uh, you know, the the famous. Um, Gosh, I can't remember the name of the film. The famous Bigfoot film footage. What's that piece called? That's the something film. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I, know I, want, I want is, to see the Zapruder film. That's the wrong film. That's that's a different conspiracy. But um, I'll think of it as soon as we're done, probably. But but I, I would just I would watch that and I'm like, that's there it is, like that Bigfoot. <laughs> and so I love my son and I. We yeah. will, if there's a show about Bigfoot, we'll watch it. I believe my son is like, dad, this is total. My son, you know, he's 14. He's, dad, this is just bullshit. These people aren't finding anything, yeah. you know, and he's yeah. so smart. He's probably right. Yeah. But I just, I believe I do. Yeah. I just hope they're friendly. Yeah. If not, you know, Hey, if, if there's another species wiser and stronger than us that wants to come destroy us, we probably deserve it. That's where I'm at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm like you, I, I have, I, I have definitely come to the place where one, I'm fascinated by it. You know, it's, you know, Bob yes. Lazar and all yes. that stuff. I mean, it's very fascinating, but you know, and for him to get now credibility all these years later is just awesome. I just, I love everything that's just going on. It's just fascinating, but it would, it would be, it would be almost, well, not almost, it would be mathematically inconceivable yeah, for us to be alone. That. And I mean, I forget how many, it's just a number that's so big, I can't even think of it, uh, how many hab, hab, habitable yep. planets there are just in our solar system. And, and there, of course, we're yeah. just one of, you know, yeah. whatever, like the sands of the sea. Absolutely. It's just like, you mean all the sands of the sea? Holy Absolutely. cow, that's I, a I lot. My dad. my dad is a Southern Missouri, no-nonsense hillbilly you know, who lived his life in the consulting business. You never would have thought, but he, he was actually the person who every once in a while he'd say, Hey, have you seen this? Or he would be the person to tell me about, you know, he, he's the first person that told me about Roswell and, and my dad will still, sometimes he'll just unleash these theories about things, you know, biblical, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, you know, they're, they're finding the chariots at the bottom of the red sea and, and like, um, and he would always kind of stir <laughs> fascination in me. You know, my dad was a big, he's a big fish. If you've seen that movie, my dad's a, he's a teller of tales and uh, he, he knows how to wonder at things that I'm, I'm grateful for him for giving me that curiosity. But so yeah. that's a, that'd be a whole nother fun yeah. podcast to do is talk about uh, crazy things we've, we've heard and believed and over the years, but no, I hope we're not. Yeah. Alone. I, I, I would love guy, to do that. You know, what else are we going to do down here? You know? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, no, that stuff does fascinate me. And yeah, for sure. We'll need to do another one of these and, and, and pick that topic up, you know, why people believe some of these things and, and the legitimacy of it. That, that'd be really, really cool. And, uh, and, and I'd like to do another talk actually with you uh, almost exclusively about that kind of escaping religion yeah. and finding faith. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big topic that I think people could find a lot of comfort in because people think it's either, like you said, black or white. It's either all 100 percent hardcore Christian or you're atheist. You know, you, yeah. there's no other journey. And and you and I clearly know that. I mean, there is another. Yeah, journey. there's so much <laughs> so. beauty in all of it, even in, you know, even today. I can I can even still 
look at part, you know, parts of evangelicalism that were so wounding and hurtful. I, I still see there's, there's just beauty when people gather together to sing who could not, who could not yes. see that that's yep. valuable. And our, again, our, our intent, our motive is such a good one. And so I, you know, I'm, I, I'm out beyond bitterness in a lot of ways. I can, I can still identify a bitter one in me towards the church, but it, by and large, I'm, Sure. I'm just really trying to see the beauty in every single part of it. You know, life's just too short yeah. to be bitter yeah. and, and, and to, um, you know, to, to, to make our vision to be so small for others that we're all doing the best we can. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's when I knew that I was definitely on a, on a better path and being, I was, you know, more towards the other end of my healing journey when I finally was able to, uh, be okay with evangelical Christians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I really, cause I used to be, you know, as I was kind of walking away from that, you know, I was, you know, negative towards them. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, I didn't judge anybody, but I did yeah. judge them. I felt like I had, you know, burn it all and down. I felt like I, I went through a season where I wanted to burn it all down the the evangelical mindset and the, the corporate church. And yeah. I kind of did. And you know what? It it was wasn't very satisfying. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, to get to the other side, to where you just go, no, I I love, I love. I mean, you know, whatever works for you. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 just living my life too. Yeah. It's okay. When I knew I was more on that side, I'm like, oh, okay, it's all right. I can love the Buddhist. Like I had no problem loving the Buddhist or the Hindu. It was the religious Christians that I, well, now I'm, I finally, like you said, I, I burned it all down. Now I'm like, okay, I love the Christian. I love the Buddhist. I love the Hindu. I love the atheist. I love them. Yeah. All. <laughs> it's a good place. You know, I've, right now, Timmy, I feel like I've, I've, I've opened up a lot of love in my heart, but I, I still have now. I just, I have a lot of shit I need to figure out. <laughs> yeah. 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 But don't at we least all. now. At least now I can do it, you know, with love of my heart and not like terror and um, not like like fear and judgment. I yeah. have a lot of judgment. So yeah. work to do. Oh, man. Midlife. Midlife yeah. crisis. Me too. A, we should do a midlife crisis podcast because that, that one would get <laughs> that one's intense for me. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Well, okay. How about this? Let's let's uh, everybody that's listening. How can they give uh, an Instagram or any a Facebook page or if you know uh, if they want um, your services? How do they find yeah, you? Well, Resonate Relationship Clinic is our clinic, and we do have a Facebook page. Um, I'm on Instagram. I don't even know what my Instagram name is really. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what my. I'm on. I'm on LinkedIn, which I never go on. And uh, probably like uh, our clinic's website is Resonate Clinic. Um, and so that's where you can okay. read more about me, what, what our clinicians do here, what we do. And um, I do have, I've got a Facebook page. Um, people are welcome to, to you know, friend, friend me. I'm, I'm pretty friendly, you know. Um, I'll probably, yeah. if something <laughs> asks me to click on it, I probably click on it. That's my deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll accept Ooh. about anyone as my friend right now. But, yeah, nice. resonate clinics.com. Nice. And uh, okay. yeah, yeah, man, that's it. I'm, I'm out cool. here. 
Well, thanks. Thanks, man, for letting me uh, interview you. And like I said, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch to do another, another couple of fun ones and, and uh, man, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. it, man. Love you. Take care. Yeah. Love you too. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. It's Timmy Gibson here for the Timmy Gibson Show. I'm on the road. I'm uh, leaving Colorado, headed back to Kansas City in a U-Haul. <laughs> I'm bringing my daughter back home. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. Uh, I hope this is recording okay. And I didn't get a chance to, to do a, a regular podcast because of... Um, this trip, you know, coming out here to, to help my daughter pack up and come back to Kansas City. And, but I wanted to make sure to record a podcast. And I think what I want to talk about today is, you know, this is a, I think I've labeled this a spiritual podcast. You know, I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I'm not an evangelical Christian, um, but I was raised an evangelical Christian, so some of my, you know, some of my uh, foundational things have, have come from the Christian uh, faith or the Christian religion. So I'm not a, I'm not an anti-Christian by any means, but. I say all that just to say that from time to time I'll be sharing things from you know, lessons that I've learned from the life and the ministry of Jesus that would be applicable to our lives. And so I was just thinking about this today. Actually, I was thinking about it yesterday, and I thought it would make for a, a good podcast uh, episode. And that's the story that I didn't look up in the scriptures, but you can Google it. And it's the story where the woman is brought to Jesus by the Pharisees. She's thrown at the feet of Jesus to to be stoned. Really, it was more of a test to see what Jesus would do. You know, would Jesus stone her like the Jewish law required? Uh, but if he did, then he would be in trouble with the Roman law. And so anyway, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus to be stoned. And, you know, the story goes, if anyone knows the story, if you don't, I'll tell you. So when this happens, Jesus then kneels and begins to write in the sand. Now, who knows what he was writing on the ground? No one knows. There's been books written on what Jesus may have been writing at that moment. You know, maybe he was writing down the sins of all those who were present that, you know, were were condemning this woman. Uh, maybe he uh, was just doodling, <laughs> which is very, very possible that he was just doodling, and there was nothing um, per se that was important about what he was writing. But it, maybe it was a, maybe he was just stalling 
you know, I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? Because the Bible doesn't even say what he was, what he was writing. But again, it's recorded that that's what Jesus did. And then Jesus said to those that brought this woman to be accused, you know, the accusers, he said, ye without sin cast the first stone. And then it says that from the eldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. And I think there's such a great lesson here. I think, you know, whether whether you believe in God or Jesus, the Bible is really, again, if you listen to my podcast, you know that that that's irrelevant to me, whether you believe that or not. I don't, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. I'm not trying to make disciples here. I'm not trying to save anybody. I'm not trying to even gain followers. I'm simply trying to share lessons and things that I've learned through scriptures or through life, through struggle, through, through the valleys, through the mountaintops, and just do my journey, and I do my journey publicly uh, through my podcast. So anyway, so again, you know, whether you're a Christian or not, a religious or not, it really doesn't matter. I think the lessons that we can learn from this story are good for everyone, everywhere, and any time. And I think the lessons that we learned here is one, why was it the eldest to the youngest that walked away? Well, one is typically the elder, older that you are, the more wisdom you have. Not always, but typically. So there could have been that. Also, the older you are, the more you've sinned, right? Because everybody sins. Everybody misses the mark. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody uh, messes up, right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody. And anyone that does is, of course, greatly mistaken. But no one does. No one No one thinks that they're perfect. Right? There was only one that was perfect as according to the scripture, and that would be Jesus. And so, you know, the eldest to the youngest walked away. One, because elder, older means wiser. Number two, they've lived longer, so they've had more opportunity to, to mess up and to do things wrong. Therefore, more opportunity to uh, realize that life is, is tough sometimes and, and we don't always make the best decisions in our lives. And hopefully we learn those lessons as we get older. So I think that's I think that's the two primary reasons. And you know the younger may have just been following suit, you know, peer pressure, like oh wow, everybody else is walking away and not condemning this woman, so I guess I shouldn't either. And then at the at the end of that little episode, Jesus is alone with this woman, and he says, "Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. You know where are your accusers?" They, They've all left. No one's here to accuse you. And they walk away. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. Now, I think, in all the years of hearing this taught, there's such an emphasis put on go and sin no more. Well, I, I think that, that that was an admonition. It was, a, it was, it was an encouragement to, to hey, Lady, listen, obviously this was a bad decision, and so 
don't don't do it again. Don't 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 uh, don't don't live this lifestyle. This is a destructive lifestyle, you know, to to do what you did. So so don't don't do that anymore. So of course Jesus was gonna encourage her to to go and to to do better, right? Not that Jesus literally meant go and sin no more, like literally, lady, like leave this place and never screw up, right? I mean, clearly, clearly, right, that, that wasn't what Jesus' intent was. But again, it was the admonition. It was just like when my kids have done things wrong and I've said, hey guys, listen, I know you got drunk, you, you know, and I'm this has not happened, but yeah, I know you got drunk and you did this and you, whatever, you wrecked your car or whatever. Again, that's, my kids have not done that, that I would be willing to even talk about publicly, right? That's their private business. But I'm just saying, you know, in situations like that, right, those, those kind of things, like just like my parents did to me, you know, when I was young and, and dumb, right, and did stupid stuff, you know, my parents would, of course, encourage me and, and Ad, you know, be, give me admonition of, hey, we love you, but like, don't go get drunk and doing that stupid stuff anymore. And so, I, obviously, Jesus was, you know, encouraging this woman to, to go and to do better. And you, you know, and the reason, obviously, that's clear because no one's perfect, so no one can, hey, hey. Don't go sin anymore. Oh, okay, Jesus. I'll live perfect from here on out. Silly me. What was I thinking? Why was I being human earlier? Now I'm not going to be human anymore. I'm going to be perfect. That, that's, again, right? We, we understand this. I think there's several lessons. Of course, you know, especially for those that are Christians, right? Those that are Christians would believe that, you know, if you do sin, you just ask God to forgive you and you're forgiven of your sins and you go on do better, right? But in everyday life, you know, if you're not a person that believes in God or believes in Jesus or whatever, that's fine too. I think it's the same admonition. I mean, you have to just forgive yourself. Ask whoever you wrong to forgive you if that's applicable and okay to do. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you simply just talk to yourself or talk to the universe and say, hey, I want to do better. I want, to, I want to do better in my life, and I've done things to mess up my life, and I'm learning lessons from those bad decisions, right? We learn lessons from both the bad and the good, or we should, we should, right? You know, that's the goal, is to, to learn from our bad decisions, to learn from our bad choices, and to hopefully go and sin no more in that way, right? Not like, don't make that mistake again. And I know for me personally, there are things that I've done that, yeah, I won't ever do that again. Uh, I learned a harsh lesson and, and wouldn't walk that road again because it, it, it proved to be unbearably painful, something I don't ever want to do again. Uh, but am I going to make mistakes sometime in the next 50 years of my life, right? Because I'm 50, so I'm going to live another 50 to 150. <laughs> That's my goal. That's my goal with science and medicine and all the stuff they've got. I should be able to get to 150, no problem. 
I'm, I'm doing pretty good at 51, so I should be okay. I feel like my body's got another 100 years, no problem. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I think it's important. I hope I'm still recording here. My phone keeps shutting off in the middle of this recording, but it looks like it's still going. So I don't know if that resonates with you. I, I think that the, the big lesson or the big picture, I think, in this particular uh, lesson that we, we or the story that we get from, from the Bible, from Jesus, from, you know, from this interaction that's recorded in the Bible, that's an interaction that apparently happened with Jesus. And it's, it's this, it's just a beautiful picture of grace. It's a beautiful picture of of God, the universe, whatever, higher power, whoever you believe, whatever you believe, to be a forgiving entity, you know, to be a, 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 a gracious God, if you will. And I believe this is a picture of a couple things. One, to know that the universe forgives you or that God forgives you, whatever. But I think it's another beautiful picture of be kind to yourself and and not live your life in constant condemnation and and constant uh, shame and, and beating yourself up right I, I don't even I don't even believe in any kind of beating yourself up I mean there's a, that's human nature we do right initially beat ourselves up we feel bad. We we, we we shake our heads at ourselves like, what was I thinking, right? But that shouldn't last long. Like, that that's something that... It's, it's like a grief. It's like... Which I did an episode about grief. It's, it's like something we go through, but we literally go through it. It's not something that we should ever camp out in a phase of grief, right? And so when you have done wrong, don't live there. Don't constantly beat yourself up about what you did that was wrong. In other words, it's in the past. Move on. Get over it. Make better choices moving forward. Like, yesterday is literally gone. It doesn't even exist. So why would you bring the past into the present and and live in grief and live in in condemnation and shame and regret it, it literally does not serve you what serves us I believe in the humans well, you know, that, that we are what serves us is to analyze look at go yeah that was a dumb decision uh, I won't do that again and then move forward making better decisions that's all we can do you can't change the past. I don't care how hard and how much you beat yourself up, how much you 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 hit yourself over the head with with grief or with regret, with shame. It, it's not going to make it better. The only thing that makes anything better is to look at what you've done honestly, openly, and say, okay. What, what did I learn from this? What can I do better? How can I grow? How can I do... You know what I'm saying? That's that's the ticket 
to moving forward. It's, it's not making yourself pay and beating yourself up over what you did that was so disappointing to yourself and to others. And this, this is a, a, a lesson in learning, learning from the past, moving on, forgiving yourself, forgiving anyone or anyone, anyone or all involved, and make better decisions moving forward. That's all you can do with life. That's all we can do. You, you can't wallow in grief, wallow in regret, wallow in despair. I, I have known, I have a couple good friends that they've been living in abs, absolute grief for years. And it, it's not served them at all. It's, it's hindered them. It's hurt them. It's kept them in a cloud of, of misery. In a cloud of almost like they feel they deserve it. Because of this bad thing they did, it's like they deserve a bad life. They deserve to be punished. They deserve whatever bad things happen to them. They, they feel like they deserve them. And, and that's just not true. It's not true at all. And only you can bring yourself out of that kind of a state, right? No one else can do it. Like, I, I've encouraged my friends over and over and over and over and over and over. I have encouraged my friends to move past those bad choices. Move past. Forgive yourself. Move on. And, and they'll say things like this. Yeah, but my kids, you know, but I hurt my kids, or I hurt my my this, or I, I ruined my this, or I this. Listen, they have to deal with that on their own. You can't bear the weight of your bad choice. That, that's on them, how they deal with it. Life is not about what we've done. Life is about how we handle what we've done. Life is also not about what other people do to us. It's how we respond to what people do to us. So really, life is all about how do we respond to how others treat us and how we respond to how we treat ourselves. Like, that's all we can do is handle life gracefully and mercifully and with, with just love. And so... That's, that's, this, that's all my podcast for today. It's just something that's been on my heart. For those of you that maybe have made bad choices or, or are making bad choices, I, I will say this. So how do you, how do you move forward? You know, if that's, if that's in your head right now, you're thinking, well, Timmy, how, I did something bad. How do I move forward? Well, one is you, you just don't live in regret. It just, it doesn't serve you. You, you can and deserve happiness. You do. You deserve to be happy. You don't deserve a bad life because you fucked up. You don't. So that's one thing is, you know, just knowing you don't deserve a bad life. You deserve a good life. So move forward and start making better choices. That's it. That, I mean, that, I don't know how else to say it except you just make better choices moving forward. You know, if you've effed up your life because of addiction... Well, stop the, stop the addiction. 
get help, move on, get out of it. Crawl out of the hole or the pit that you've, you know, crawl out of the, the pit you've crawled into. That's, I mean, it's, it's one day at a time. That's it. That's all you can do. One day at a time. Today, I'm going to make better choices. That's it. Today, I'm going to make better choices. And you just make better choices moving forward every day, every minute, every hour, every... That's it. That's all you can do. And you got to, you know, yeah, maybe you do have to crawl out of that pit. Maybe you have to ask for help. Maybe you got to admit yourself into a program. You know, if that's... I don't envy people that have addictions. I thankfully, thank God, I'm not an addictive personality. I don't get addicted to things. And if I feel like I could get addicted, then I don't do it. I, I simply don't do it. I, I'll drink a little bit of wine here and there, but if, if I thought I had a problem, I'd just pour all the alcohol out and I'd be done. That's just it. I would be done. Um, and I know that sounds so easy to me because I, I don't have an addictive personality and so you know if I felt like I was really looking forward to that glass of whiskey every night and I was having I don't even drink whiskey every night but I'm just saying if I thought that I was like needing that I would just pour out all the whiskey and just quit like I would just stop and to, to remove any temptation from me that's what I would do I would pour all the alcohol out I would go to an AA meeting and start walking a different path. Uh, but if, you know, if you're out there and you're like me and you're not an addictive personality you don't have that, well then good. I mean, but the grief the grief and the shame and the, all that stuff all I can tell you is just not serving you. It does not help. It doesn't serve you. It's not going to make your life better. The only thing that's going to make your life better is making better decisions each and every day moving forward. That's it. That's all you can do. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for allowing me to share with you. I, I hope I get to post this. I hope that the sound from this U-Haul truck isn't too crazy that I can use this recording. So if you are listening to this recording right now, then yes, apparently it was good enough to post. All right. God bless everybody. Talk to you soon.